Well, it is a new season, and it is time. Oh, yes, it's time. Back with it. The Monday Mailbag. I am Bob McElligot taking your questions, your comments, your thoughts, whatever it is that's on your mind. That's what I'm here to talk with you about on this ninth day of October. More important day. For every team in the National Hockey League, they had to be down to a 23-man roster by 5 o'clock this afternoon, and the Blue Jackets, no exception. And they were down to their roster at 5 o'clock this afternoon. And here it is. I'm just going to run right down through it. There are 14 forwards. There are seven defensemen. There are two goaltenders. That adds up to 23. That's where it has to be. So here are the forwards that have made it out of training camp. Cole Sillinger, Sean Corrali. Adam Fantilli, Johnny Gaudreau, Justin Danforth, Liam Foody, Patrick Line, Boone Jenner, Alexander Texier, Eric Robinson, Emil Bemstrom, Kirill Marchenko, Kent Johnson, and Jack Roslovic. Those are your 14 forwards that have made the Blue Jackets out of training camp. The seven defensemen, Andrew Peak, Zach Wierenski, Ivan Provorov, Jake Bean, Adam Boquist, Erica Branson, and Damon Severson. And the two goaltenders, Elvis Merzlikens and Spencer Martin. Now, the Blue Jackets did put four players on the injured list to make sure that they were at this 23. Two of them, not a surprise, and that's Yegor Chinikov and Daniil Tarasov because neither one participated in training camp. They were both hurt through the entirety of training camp. The other ones, Matthew Olivier is one. That's not a huge surprise because he was uh, battling with an injury and he he had that uh, preseason game and had the fight against the Washington Capitals. And then uh, whatever his injury is, is still nagging. And that was made clear. So he winds up on the injured list to start the season. That's not a surprise. But the surprise is Jordan Dumais has an upper body injury. So he is... Still with the team, hasn't been returned to junior. Now, one guy that did have a great camp and did get returned to junior is defenseman Denton Matechuk. But I've got some questions here already that I've been sent on X today. And, you know, the questions are always about, uh, are there surprises? Does anything surprise you on this, uh, on this final roster? Not really. Not really. I think if you just use common sense, there's not a lot surprising you about what the Blue Jackets decided to do and who they decided to go with as the season is starting. So, yeah, I'm not really surprised, but I'll get to the questions and I'll get into that more in depth. Uh, If you are with me live on X Spaces, all you have to do is request to uh, ask a question, request to be a part of the show, and I'll go ahead and bring you on and... uh, you can ask your question. It's very simple. So where do I want to start? Let's see. Um, actually, let's go with the uh, the way we used to do things before we could do this live like this all the time. And that is taking a question via email. I got an email question, bobbymack at bluejackets.com. So I'm going to start with that because it covers surprises and maybe what you might think is one of the biggest ones of camp. Here you go. Hey, Bob, this is Greg in Cleveland. 
I see the final roster is out for the Jackets to start the season, and I uh, was a little surprised. I saw that Jake Bean made it, and David Juracek did not. So I was just wondering if you could shed any light on maybe like what Juracek was lacking that did not land him a roster spot at this point. Thanks. Well, Greg, to be honest with you, what was David Juracek lacking that didn't get him a roster spot? He was lacking the number of games played that it would take for him to have to clear waivers to go to the American Hockey League because he had a free pass. And that's not a good thing for him because he wants to make the NHL team. But for the organization, that's a good thing. They can send him to the American Hockey League and he doesn't have to clear waivers. Therefore, you risk nothing at all in the way of losing him. That makes it an easy decision. I'm a little bit surprised that you say that he made it in Jake Bean, or that uh, he didn't make it in Jake Bean did make it. I mean, I never thought there was any thought that Jake Bean wasn't going to make this team. I thought if he didn't play any preseason games, he too would be on the injured list, but he ended up playing, and I thought he played pretty well, and he's on the roster. So that's that's a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. Why would you think that Jake Bean would be the odd man out? Jake Bean happens to be the only left-handed shot on the team. So that's why it's not a surprise. We talked about this all through training camp. The Blue Jackets are heavily stacked with right-shot defensemen. Maybe that's another thing. If Juracek was a left shot, that would have worked into his favor. But as it stands, he's a right shot, and they needed somebody to play on the left side. So you either have to play on your offside or your lefty. Nick Blankenberg was the only guy, in my opinion, that last year got a chance to play on the offside, and he was successful. He was a right-handed shot playing on the left side. Andrew Peake tried it. I talked about this all. For those of you that are here all the time, bear with me. and Or maybe you've forgotten, because to me it seems like yesterday, but quite frankly it was a long time ago. Andrew Peake tried it. <laughs> I say he tried it like he went, hey, can I give that a try? No, they tried him on that side, and he struggled. In fact, he played two games there, and then he was healthy scratch for a couple of games, which I never thought was fair, quite honestly. I didn't. Because Andrew Peake has put in so much time playing for the Blue Jackets. He's gotten so many opportunities, and I don't think he's done a bad job. The year before last... Remember how often he had to play top pair minutes with Zach Wierenski? Is he a top pair defenseman on a playoff team? Probably not. Is he a good third pair defenseman? Yes, he is. But he was forced into a bigger role, and I don't think he was terrible at it at all. I thought he was pretty good at it, quite frankly. It could have been a heck of a lot worse, I'll tell you that. So that's why I didn't think it was fair, because now they put him on the other side, and he struggles, and they just go, okay, well, then you're just not going to play at all. Well, whatever. He got back into the lineup. He never played on the left again, and he played the rest of the year. So he struggled with it. Adam Boquist struggled with it. And they've had Boquist playing on that side in camp, and it still hasn't been fantastic. You know, he says that he played uh, in junior hockey in London. He played on the left side, but... Just not seeing it. So Jake Bean becomes the default third pair, left shot, left defenseman. 
simple. Very simple. As I said, this, this whole thing, the way it's been put together is common sense, right? Especially with the defense. I think it's extreme common sense. Let, let me get to some questions here on X, and then if, um, if there's something we didn't cover, then I'll come back to it. Otherwise, I just don't want to repeat myself over and over here. So um, it'll be easier to start getting to the questions. Again, if you're with me live, just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up and, and we can discuss. Uh, Mr. Union Blue has the first question. Says, um, outside of his high-end points production in the preseason games, what was the deciding factor that had Emil Bemstrom making the roster? Was it his special teams work? What about Liam Foody? All right, I have something else on... Uh, on Bemstrom here. So let me loop these together as I like to do. This is from Jody who says, I'm surprised Bemstrom looks stronger in this camp versus previous years. Do you think he will be able to stay up in the NHL? All right. So let's just go to Emil Bemstrom to get this whole thing started off. Okay. Um, he had a good camp right from the get go. He had a good camp. He scored a good number of goals in a small number of games played. He played decent defense. I thought his back checking was fine. I really didn't have a problem with Emil Bemstrom in this camp. I knew he was going to make this camp. Anybody with a brain knew he was going to make this camp because of the way that he was playing. Now, when you say, well, he's looked better in this camp than he has in the past. Yeah, well, I hope so. Because this is year, is this year four already for him? Three or four, whatever it is. He needs to look better. How many times have I said that throughout the years? Got to be better. It's got to be better. It's got to be better. He's got to be better. Well, he was better during the training camp. He was better during the preseason. Is he going to be better on a regular basis during the regular season? Can he grab a spot? Can he hold on to a spot? Can he not give that spot up? Can he not wind up back in the American Hockey League like he did last year? I don't know. Based on the camp, he looks like he's finally ready to stay. Based on the camp, camp is now over. Whatever you did was great, but we move on. Because quite frankly, whatever you did there, it didn't count. All those goals, they didn't count. The pluses, the minuses, they didn't count. The penalties, the power plays, it didn't count. Now it counts starting on Thursday. But he did have a good camp. He deserves to be on this team. What kind of a role are they going to use him in on this team? I have no idea. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I think we have a decent idea based on who he was playing with last Wednesday and then on Saturday. I would be surprised. And, and they didn't skate today, so I can't tell you for sure. But they'll skate tomorrow. And we'll know, but I would expect the lines are going to look like they looked on Saturday in Washington. Now, not completely, because there, there are still questions. Not everybody played in that Saturday game, okay? Not everybody played. I'm talking specifically of Jack Roslovic. Does he play Thursday? I don't know. We're going to find out. Let me move on here. Uh, Union and Blue says, who is the biggest surprise either 
on or left off of the final roster. Again, you can say that your check is a surprise because he played well. He did play well. And there are some years with this team that he would make this roster. But not this year. At least not from the start. I mean, let's not be naive. We're going to see the guy at some point, are we not? I think so. We might see him for a long stretch. He might come up early and never go back. He may come up midway through and never go back. He might come up and go back. He might never come up. I don't know. I just covered everything. See how you do that? You just put out every scenario. You can't be wrong. But in all seriousness, he played really well. And again, in other years, would have made this team. But this was not the year. You've got Provorov and Severson and Wierenski and Boquist and Peak and Bean and Goodbranson. You already have one too many. What are you going to do? Because Bean, Peak, and Boquist all have to clear waivers. If you want to send them out, they have to clear waivers. And you're probably going to lose them. And those are players that if you are going to lose them, you would much rather trade them and get something in return, not lose them for nothing. As I said before, your check could go to the American Hockey League. You were never going to lose him. Why give somebody away? All of those players are still good players. They are all assets. You can still get something in return if it's not going to work out. You can work to make trades. Those trades didn't need to be done by 5 o'clock this afternoon. Heck, they could come tomorrow. They could come on Wednesday. There could be a roster spot by Thursday. Who knows? The fact is, to move those veteran players, you were probably going to lose them. Adam Boquist, say what you want. You know, I know he's been hurt a lot. I know that there's been inconsistency. He's still a young man. And he was an eighth overall pick by the Chicago Blackhawks. When a guy's taken in the top 10, you don't just toss him on waivers and hope. You keep him. You play him. There's value in him. If you have a chance to move him and you think that's your best bet because you have somebody that is pushing and ready to come up and take his spot, okay, you do that. You don't just give him away. So that's, you know, that's why your check with a thinner blue line Probably makes this team. Probably does. Um, and people, some people would say the same about Denton Matejchuk. But again, I <laughs> he had a really good camp. And in some years, he would have made it. I am so glad these guys are not making it out of the camp this year. I am. I'm sorry. It's not personal. It's business. I'm glad they're not making it out of this camp. You know what that means? It means a couple of things. It means that the Blue Jackets are now deep enough where they can be patient. But more importantly, what it means to me is they're not going to rush the development of these young players. Both Juracek and Matejchuk were first-round picks two summers ago. Not this past summer, but the one before. 2022. There is no need to have them here on the opening night roster this year. There's not. Yurchek had a great year last year in Cleveland. Awesome. Do it again. Matejchuk, overmatched. I had him read all these stories all through training camp about getting a waiver to not go back to junior and 
go to the American Hockey League and, oh, how can they get that far? He's proved all that he can prove. Has he? Go do it again. What is wrong with going back and doing it again? The only thing that's wrong is, from the player's standpoint, they want to be in the National Hockey League. Go do it again. Prove to me it was not a fluke. Prove to me that you're going to continue to get better and better as you have throughout your career, and that's why we drafted you. Because Denton Matejchuk's going to play for Team Canada in the World Junior. I know if he was in the American Hockey League, they could release him to go play in that tournament as well. I get it. I get it. I just don't care. All right? You're not getting a waiver. You're not making the NHL team. You get one choice. Junior hockey. See you later, kid. Do it again. And I think he will. Jordan Dumay, what do you think is going to happen to him when this injury's over? Where do you think he's going to be? You think they're going to ship out a guy that uh, that has tenure here and put him in the lineup? No. No, they're not. He's going to go back to junior. Well, but he had 140 points last year. He was second only to Connor Bedard in the Canadian Hockey League. And he had all that. What has he got to prove? Do it again. Do it again. Play for Team Canada at the World Junior Tournament. Do it again. There are plenty of guys that have had gaudy numbers in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League that have not transferred those numbers to the National Hockey League. Plenty of them. And plenty of them bigger than this guy. He's got a great shot. Still has stuff to learn. I go back to that first uh, preseason game. Actually, it was the second one. It was on the first day. It was that game against Pittsburgh at at the Nationwide Arena. And Dumay plays in the game, and he scores the game winner in overtime, and it was a great shot, and he sniped it right up under the bar, and oh my goodness. Prior to that, he was getting pushed around and knocked down, and like he's got stuff to learn. It's just a fact. And there is no shame in going back to junior hockey and learning it. Because next year he's going to come in with more experience. It'll be his third NHL camp. He's not going to go back to Traverse City next year, I don't think, anyway. So he's going to come right in and go to camp. And then, if he's not ready, he's going to go to the American Hockey League. And it's going to be a totally different kind of hockey for him. Totally different. So I'm, I'm glad... They're not rushing this stuff. I'm very, very happy about it. Was it Pascal Vincent that said, I think it was him that was uh, the other day was quoted and saying, you know, basically, well, I can't give you the exact quote. I don't have it in front of me. It was saying that to send a player back and have them do it again has never disrupted the development process. To bring them up too soon, almost always disrupts the development process. Those of you that have been longtime fans of this franchise, how many times have you seen it? More than once, right? More than once. Oh, we got to get them here. Got to have them here right now. Got to go. Let's go. Oh, why isn't he playing as well? What's wrong? What happened? Yeah. Let them mature as players. Junior Hockey, American Hockey League, whatever it is. Whatever's going to be best for them. 
Because I guarantee you this, if it's the best for them, it'll be best for the organization. For sure. Ah, let me see. The Finn says, who was the hardest to cut out? Was there a real battle between some players to make the team? Yeah, I'm sure there was. Again, the the check thing, I'm sure it was a battle. I'm sure there was plenty of discussion about it. What about Cole Sillinger? Is he safe? He's safe for right now, but is he safe? When Olivier comes off of the injured list, what happens then? And I only say Olivier because when Chinikov comes off, I know what's going to happen. He's going to go to Cleveland because he can go there without having clear waivers. And he hasn't played, and he missed a whole chunk of last year, so he's going to wind up in Cleveland, and he's going to play there. I say that like I know it for sure. Nobody's told me, but I feel in my heart I know it for sure. Again, common sense. Let's all go back to common sense, all right? Tarasov, what happens to him when he comes off? He had no camp. You think he goes to the American League on a conditioning stint? I would think so. Anyway. Let's not put the cart before the horse here. But when Matthew Olivier comes back, what happens to Cole Sillinger? Is he a lock? Is he in? You know, Roslovic and Sillinger, to me, they were battling for a spot throughout camp. Roslovic would have to go through waivers. Sillinger would not. Comes back to the same thing. Now, Cole is going to get the opportunity to play, it looks like. And I say it looks like because where's he going to play? I don't know. I don't know. That's not clear cut. He was playing on the wing the last couple of games that he played. Scored a goal the other night in Washington playing on the wing. Looked pretty good. Is he a lock to be at center? Not anymore. Not anymore. Not this minute. Not right now. Tomorrow morning he'll skate at center. (laughs) That'll blow that hole up. Blow up my whole argument. Anyway. Uh, Brian says with center ice, presumably line a Fantilli Corrali. Um, so wait a minute. You got three there. Well, the, the question is who centers the third line, Jenner or cylinder. Also, I'm sorry, Brian. So you're assuming line a is a top line center. That would be a good assumption. By the way, can I just say, I'll be honest with you. In the summertime, people started saying, is Line A going to play center? And I thought, oh, I don't even want to hear this again. That was like a must-do thing last year. I I don't even want to hear about it. Let's put this guy in the wing. Let's get him back to 40 goals a year. Let's forget about this stuff. That's what I thought in my head, all right? And And this was in July. And to be honest with you, with the coaching situation at that time, I thought that idea was dead. I did. When it changed then I knew there was the chance that it could be resurrected. And it was. And I'm going to tell you again the truth. This is what I thought two and a half weeks ago. I thought, well, they're going to play him there for a game, maybe two. They'll let him give it a try. They'll take a look at it. And then they'll put him back on the wing. They'll say, hey, you know what? We still think we're better served doing this. That's what I thought. I thought this is not coming out of camp. This whole line A at center thing. It's not. Then I watch him play in Buffalo. Then I watch him play it again another couple nights later. Then I watch him play it again. And I said, you know what's coming out of training camp? Patrick Line A as a center. So kudos to him. He earned it. 
He's earned it to this point. It could change at any minute, but right now he's earned it. So congratulations to Patrick. I'm happy for him. I am. Honestly, I am. This is something he said he wanted to do. They gave him the chance. He grabbed it. Good for him. So to Brian's question here, line A, Fantilli, Corrali, who centers the third line? Okay, let's go back to uh, the last two games that Jenner and Fantilli both played in, okay? Jenner played with Alexander Texier and Emil Bemstrom. Fantilli played with Kent Johnson and Justin Danforth in one game, Cole Sillinger in the other game. Now, which one sounds like a third line to you? Here's what I think. I think if they line it up that way, and whoever that winger is, and, and it's it's not going to be Danforth. I see with Olivier out, I think Danforth has solidified his spot with Corrali and Robinson on the fourth line. Liam Foodie may have something to say about that, but I think at the beginning, you could probably look for Robinson, Corrali, and Danforth. My opinion. Okay. So it, it's going to be Sillinger or Roslovic. Or you know what else happened the other night? Midway through the game, Marchenko came off the top line and went to Fantilli's line and set up Adam for the game-winning goal. And when I asked Pascal Vincent after the game why he did that, he said he felt like he had uh, three playmakers on the top line. He needed somebody with grit that would just go to the net. That was Sillinger. Oh, by the way, he scored a goal by going to the net. Marchenko made a play to get the puck to Fantilli who's a shooter, and that won the game. So it all worked, okay? Do I think that Marchenko does not start with line A and Goudreau? I don't know. I, I don't think that he won't, but he might not because of that mentality. So let's just say, all right, this is long. It's taken me too long to answer this. I think Fantilli is the third-line center with Kent Johnson and either Sillinger or Roslovic, and I'll tell you why. Because... Part of the reason why is it doesn't matter, as The Rock used to say. Jenner, Texier, Bemstrom, Fantilli, Johnson, Roslovic slash Sillinger. Those six, to me, interchangeable. Who's playing the best? Which line is playing the best? If it's your line, Adam Fantilli, you're going to get more minutes. If it's your line, Boone Jenner, you're going to get more minutes. I don't think it matters. But I do think with Fantilli, if you have him as the quote-unquote third-line centerman, it gives him an opportunity to wade into the pool instead of diving in headfirst. If he is the top-line centerman, he's got to face the best defenseman in the National Hockey League every shift, every night. That's tough. If you're the third-line centerman, now you're down to, not always, but most times, a third pair of defense. And maybe the third or fourth line on the other team a much easier assignment, as if there is an easy assignment in the NHL, much easier assignment for a rookie coming straight out of college to let him get acclimated and let him get to be good. So I like it. I like it. So I say, I say, Fantilli centers the third line on paper. They can change it any second. Any second at all. All right, what else do I got here? Let me continue on. Um, I'm going to save this one for a minute. B 
because it's off topic. Uh, Cannon goes boom, says any news on Tarasov yet? No, no news except he's on the uh, injured list to start the year. So, all right, that's that's what I've got so far on that. I do have a, uh, a request here on X spaces. Man, I'm, it is all I can do to call it X. I know that's what it is now. I, I get it. I know, but it is it is all I can do to get that correct because old habits die hard. Uh, I'd like to welcome Matt in to uh, join the program and ask the first live question of the year. Hey, Matt. Here we go. First live question of the year. I no pressure, honored. buddy. Thank no you. pressure. Thank you. No pressure. And hey, I joined late, so you might have already answered some of these, but. Are we still wanting to get Boone Jenner on the wing with Bronkoff going down is the long-term goal is to have him come up. I mean, cause I could see that as a really good third line Bronkoff Jenner, and then maybe like Textier or something on the other side. But I, I know, I mean, I know that he needs to get used to the North American ice and, and all that stuff, but is that kind of a disappointment? Was he expected to play in the NHL or, or what's, what's the thought on him? Well, I think he's another one of those guys like Yurichek, like Chinikov when he gets healthy. He doesn't have to clear waivers. He can go down there. And you're making decisions for now if you're the Blue Jackets. These are these are not long-term decisions right now. These are decisions to get the season started. Pascal Vincent a week ago said, hey, the the roster you start the season with is not even close to the roster you finish the season with. So, this is all about getting your ducks in a row for opening night in the first couple of games. These are not these are not the long-term decisions because Dmitry Voronkov is a great example of this. He can go down without clearing waivers. However, he does have a clause in his contract where he has to be back in the NHL by, I think it's the end of December, or he could opt to go back to Russia if he so chooses. So... They are going to want to get him that experience in Cleveland. I look at this as being what I will call the Marchenko plan. Remember last year, Kirill got sent to Cleveland. Actually, he got sent earlier than the last day. But he got sent to Cleveland, and he just went and he played. And he got accustomed to the game in North America, and he scored points. And when it was time for a call-up, they brought him up. And as of right now, and I don't think this is going to be the case at the end of the year. As of right now, he holds the record for goals in the season by a rookie. Okay? So it worked. And when you have a plan like that and you saw it work once, why not do it again? Don't let this kid get acclimated there and then bring him up. But don't don't get don't be mistaken here. They want this guy in the NHL. They want this guy parked in front of the net. And he doesn't have to play center when he first comes up. He could play on the wing. Boone can play in the middle, and he can play on the wing because here's what's going to be the most important for Dmitry Voronkov, both in the American League starting now and when he gets to the National Hockey League. His position is going to be standing in front of the goaltender, taking away their line of sight. That's a fact. Right, so, right. so it doesn't matter, Matt, where, where he plays, but he will be back, and uh, whether he plays in the middle or whether he plays on the wing, I, I don't think it'll matter. But I think, you know, Jenner is – He's played center now for a while, and, and he's good at face-offs. And, you know, I always say, well, you know, he's a third-line winger on a really good playoff team. But, you know, there's still – this team is better at the center position, but Boone Jenner is still a help there, so I think he'll stay there. And and I had one more question if you have time. Yeah. Um, 
And I just want to get your opinion because I know you're a student of the game. But do you see the NHL, especially the forward position, kind of go the way of the NBA where where maybe we don't have a prototypical center. We just have basketball players. You know what I mean? So, like, your power forward can, you know, he can slot in his playing center or he can jump out, maybe play the two guard. Like, is that where we're going in the NHL with just, just getting hockey players on the ice? Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good point. Pascal Vincent has kind of said that. He said, look, the way we're going to play, the center is going to be the guy taking the face off at any point in time, and as soon as play starts, we're, we're fluid with that. So, yeah, I, I think that's fair. And you know what? Most of these forwards <laughs> growing up, they've played all of the positions. They've played both wings. They've played center. Um, it's a mindset. It really is. So I think uh, that's a good point that you make. I, it, it very well – could be headed that way. Oh, you want smart players. You, you want guys that are able to think, and they can basically do it all. So if you get enough of those guys, then you can do that. You can just switch it around and make sure you're in the right place at the right time and don't blow your assignment and everything's good. What do you think, Matt? Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm excited for the season. I think we're I think we're going to be see a big improvement. I think so, too. And uh, you did a good job at, at being the first guy of the year. So uh, very nice. Nobody can ever take that away from you. You know that. Thanks, Matt. I don't think you heard me when I said the the last part there. But anyway, uh, that was a good one from Matt. So if you want to follow that up, you have a question you want to ask, you can do that uh, if you're with me on X Spaces right now. Uh, Just go ahead and request to be a speaker, and you can ask your question. Here's that uh, question that I bypassed there a few minutes ago, but I'll ask it now. Because there was some news today. Well, there's there's a fair amount of news in the National Hockey League today. But uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs announced uh, some uh, front o- front office uh, positions. And, well, one of the things, I mean, they, they reassigned a, a scout and stuff like that. Jake Muzzin's no longer playing. He's going to be a scout. And Chris Bork changed his uh, whatever his title was. He's doing something else. But here was the important one. Curtis McElhaney has been named as director of goaltending development and scouting for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so Mr. Union Blue says thoughts that you have on Curtis getting that job. Um, And then he says, always thought he would end up in a front office somewhere. I think it's great. I really do. And I'll tell you what I like a lot about Curtis McElhaney. When he played, very quiet guy. Didn't say a heck of a lot. Just as uh, John Tortorella used to say and still does, he would just go about his business. And he didn't create problems. He didn't, uh, you didn't even know he was there half the time. He knew what his role was. I I bet you with uh, almost every team that he was with, well, maybe not with Calgary in the earlier days, but especially once he got to Columbus and went on from there, he knew that he was going to start probably 12 to 20 games a year. He knew that he was going to be expected to win every single one of those games. Um, you know, the guy who was backing up, whether it was Bobrovsky here or whether it was Vasilevsky in Tampa, and he knew his role, and he played his role to a T. And I loved that about him when he was playing. And then when he got done playing, I never thought that he would be as vocal on social media as he was. But I liked what he did on social media. He wasn't, you know, he's not really stirring things up, and he he wasn't trying to um, wasn't trying to draw attention or anything. He would just make good, solid points, 
about the game, goaltending and otherwise. I just, I, I liked, I liked his insight when he just started to throw it out there and he started to interact with people on social media. So I think this is a perfect job for him. Quite honestly, I think he will be an asset to the Toronto Maple Leafs. A lot of teams are going in this direction now, right? With this director of goaltending development and scouting where you have a guy that's kind of in charge of everything. You know, your your NHL goaltending coach is is still your most important guy, let's be honest, because he's with the two day in and day out that you are expecting to have success so that your team can have success so that you can make the playoffs so that you can make a lot of money, quite honestly. Yeah, if, if you're going to make money, you have to be successful as a team, as an organization. So that guy's still your most important guy because he's got the hands-on on those two goaltenders day in and day out. However, what that guy doesn't have to deal with now is the minor league goaltenders looking for other goaltenders around the world because that's a big job, and that's what it used to be. When I was in Syracuse, uh, whoever the goaltending coach was at the time would come down one time, two times a year, maybe, depending on who it was. Like Rick Walmsley would come down uh, during the season a couple of times, and then as it got to the playoffs, uh, he would come down and stick with us through the playoffs when he was a goaltending coach. Uh, Dave Rook did the same thing. Uh, Perry Elderbroom came down when he was a goaltending coach. But, but you'd only see them once in a while. And now, even though you're not going to see the NHL goaltending coach, you're going to see a guy that is in the front office of the organization and you know that you're being looked after. You know that they're paying attention and that's important, right? And for the NHL goaltending coach, all of their time and effort can be put on the two guys that they're dealing with on a daily basis. And don't get me wrong. It's not that they are not getting information and watching video on the other goaltenders in the organization. They are. They're doing that, okay? But but that extra set of eyes and hands really is becoming important to a lot of teams in the NHL. So I think Curtis McElhaney will do a fantastic job of all of that for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, I, I hope we uh, – I hope we run across him throughout the year because uh, it'll be uh, be great to see him. He's uh, he's he's a he's a fan favorite too, right? I mean, he he never had the uh, he was never going to to have the the same uh, I don't want to say level of importance, but he was never going to be the star. He was always going to be the backup guy, but he was good with that. He was good with it in his mind, and he was good with it doing the job. So. That is, uh, I think that's going to be great for him. I really do. So the Blue Jackets, uh, they didn't skate today. They had off-ice workouts, and then they had the Foundation Golf Tournament today. Had to get that in before it gets even colder because it was nice, but it's chilly. So they got that in today, and uh, that's kind of a nice break at the end of camp and the end of the preseason schedule. But now it is time to work. And it's time to work hard starting tomorrow because they've got tomorrow and Wednesday to practice, and then the Flyers are going to be here for a game on Thursday night at 7 o'clock to get the season started. I like that the Blue Jackets are opening at home. I like that the Blue Jackets have four straight games 
on home ice to get things going. I really do. I like that a lot. Um, and I like Philly as an opening night opponent, to be honest. And I, I'm not saying that. I, I don't think the Flyers are going to be. Look, I can say I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. But you know what? They were still ahead of the Blue Jackets. So I really can't say anything about them anyway. I don't think they're going to be pushing for the playoffs this year, is my point. And I don't mind that being the opening night opponent. If you remember, last year, the Blue Jackets had all this hope. But when you looked at the schedule and you saw opening at Carolina and playing the second game at home against Tampa, you looked at that and you went, oh, that is that is not what I picked. I would not have picked that. So you got Philly. And look, if you don't play well, you're going to lose. I get it. But it's, it's, it's more favorable on paper. You've got that. The Rangers come in on Saturday. The Rangers are expected to be a playoff team. You've got Detroit. They expect to be a playoff team in their own minds. And then you've got Calgary, who has revamped a lot of stuff. Those are your four games to start the season, all at Nationwide Arena. So uh, I don't mind that. I like that. I, I like the looks of that. But, again, as I say, uh, what did I say during the summertime? People were saying about um, coaches. And th- not just in hockey. This uh, I was talking about this with uh, whatever other sport, football or something at the time. You know, people go, well, uh, how's it going with that coach? So it's going great. But you know what? It's always going great till you lose three in a row. That's when you really find out what's happening. So <laughs> I can look at that schedule and I can go, hey, that looks great. But if it doesn't turn out great, we're going to know, right? So in any in any event, you got to play the games, and the Blue Jackets will start doing that on Thursday. I got one more thing here. Uh, J.D. Wheeler says, is Matthew Olivier actually on IR, or has he been placed on IR as a formality? Um, he's been battling with an injury, and I know he's been skating, but as far as I know, it's not a formality. It's something that he's just going to take a little bit more time to get over, to get ready. I mean, they, and again, this is another guy that they can be patient with. They don't need to get him into the lineup right away. I mean, some of his best attributes are fighting, and I just went over the schedule, and, you know, Philly probably wants to fight somebody. They always do, but, you know, for the most part, you can get through a couple of those anyway without maybe needing that element. So make sure the guy's right. Make sure that he's 100%. There's no need if he if he says, hey, like this is not a month before the playoffs. It's not two weeks before the playoffs where players are playing hurt the whole time. There's no need to start at 85, 90%. If it's going to take you another week to get to 100, take your week. I know you don't like it. I get it. But just take the time because game one and two, yeah, it's important to, to get wins, but – if we're in the thick of it in game 70, I need you to be healthy then. So let's look at that. You know, that's that's kind of my mindset on it when I look at it. But what do I know? Oh, yeah, everything. I forgot. <laughs> I just talk like I know everything. Hey, this has been fun. It's great to be back with you. And this is just the start of a busy week because – Not only the game on Thursday, but there's going to be plenty of Blue Jackets programming leading up to Thursday for you. Uh, We've got, what do we got? Uh, Tomorrow night, 
on 97.1 The Fan, 7 o'clock, the Blue Jackets season preview show. I'll be joined by Jody Shelley, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, Jeff Rimmer. We're all going to break it down in roundtable format. You know, we'll get everybody's opinion on it. Maybe we'll fight a little bit. Maybe we won't. You never know. So it's good to tune in. Uh, then on Wednesday night, Jody and I will have another edition of the Inside Edge. Thursday is the game, of course. And, oh, by the way, uh, this year, throughout the course of the season, and it started today, and guess who was a guinea pig? Yours truly. Day one, leadoff man. That's me, the leadoff man. Uh, but uh, all during the week, Monday through Friday, on the morning show in our flagship station, 97.1 The Fan, uh, we're going to have uh, somebody different talking about the Blue Jackets every day. 7.20 in the morning. Uh, I'm on on Mondays. Jean-Luc Grandpierre scheduled for Tuesdays. Pascal Vincent on Wednesdays. There will be a Blue Jackets player that will uh, rotate on Thursdays. That one's going to be, I think that's at 8.48 or something. That one's later. They get to sleep in. I wasn't offered that, but that's fine. Uh, so a player on Thursday, and then uh, Friday will be Jackets insider Jeff Sabota on the uh, 97.1 The Fan on the Morning Juice program. So make sure that you uh, make sure you mark that down. And if you're up, Jean-Luc will be on there tomorrow. And he will be um, he'll be fantastic because he'll probably be up at six o'clock in the morning, and he will have done um, at least one workout and had two breakfasts, and he'll be ready to go, and it'll be fun. So I wanted to let you know all of that. So again, plenty of Blue Jackets talk coming your way over the course of the next couple of days, and then the Flyers are here on Thursday, seven o'clock opening night. Get there early, Plaza party, games, music. Everybody that comes gets a schedule magnet. You can't beat it. Hockey's back, baby. And I'm back with a Monday mailbag. Thank you for being here. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.